To all my heavy hitters and lockdown defenders, welcome to the Lockdown Defense Podcast, episode 61. We are back in the building, man, each and every Tuesday, right back down here. YouTube, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio. We're now iHeartRadio. So check us out on any of those platforms that you get your podcast from. And we right back here, down here in your basement, in your headphones each and every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Oh, man. Had a regal moment with Coach Kurt and uh, myself on Saturday with our sports talk. And I just realized that we are 61 episodes now into the podcast and we are 40 episodes into Sports Talk. So I have done 100 podcast type uh, content uh, views and videos for you guys over the last year. And man, it didn't seem like it was been that much, but man, it's been busy. Been a busy time, been a busy year, been a good year. Been a good year for the the channel, for the podcast, and for the brain. So uh, we'll keep doing things big for y'all, man, as always. Just the beginning. Just the beginning. I'm here to tell you, man. It's a jam-packed show today, as always. You know, we try to bring out a heavy-hitting content that we have. We don't want to bore you. Don't want to waste your time. We want to get the news and views that you can use in your ears. As always, each and every week, man, each and every week, Lockdown Defense Podcast is here for you. I'm your man, Coach Defense, if you don't know me already. So uh, we're going to bring this content for you here real hot and heavy, man. There's going to be a lot of hot and heavy topics to discuss. Some NBA news we're going to get into. We're going to talk about uh, some standings. Uh, some standings. So we're about three weeks into the NBA season. We'll talk about some standings and uh, some surprise starts and some surprise flops. Seems that we thought, at least from a power ranking perspective, there would be, a, you know, at the top of the standings at this point in there, boy, they're, they're struggling. There's some teams that are uh, surprisingly good right now. Uh, we're going to talk about Kyrie Irving um, and his battle with the Nets front office. Uh, some new things came to my mind and my and my uh, thinking brain in, in regards to his situation. So uh, we'll talk about that. And we'll talk about Zion Wilson as well, um, his struggles and his injury concerns. And what we think his future is going to look like. Then we'll forward over to the NBA, NFL. So we'll talk about some uh, NFL headlines. Uh, it was a scary Sunday, uh, Halloween Sunday, scary Sunday, and a lot of scary things happened over the, the course of that uh, day in football. So uh, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about some injury news. We're going to talk about some trades that did happen and don't won't happen. And we'll talk about some teams that honestly, truly uh, have issues and just seem to can't get over those issues. And it seems like it's the same broken record all over again. So. Uh, we're going to talk about that. Uh, we're going to talk about the Raiders and we're going to talk about the Browns, uh, Chargers, and we're going to talk about the Saints as well. So we'll get into those uh, headlines and we'll talk about that in detail. Then we'll get into injury report. Uh, we'll give you some uh, breakdown, some injuries that happened, uh, some significant ones uh, that could be game changers for the uh, uh, NFL and this conference as a whole, uh, AFC and NFC. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, we'll get into our week eight high game recap. We'll talk about our six pack of games that we, that we went through over the weekend and, uh, We'll give our takeaways in those games, and I will do that. And then we'll get out to our final segment at our blind side hit of the week and our grievance of the week. So those two ones are going to be pretty good this week. So I definitely want to check those out towards the end. And as always, we'll wrap up the podcast with our fourth quarter closeout. We'll give out awards for Breakout Player of the Week, Lockdown Defender of the Week, and Big Dummy of the Week. So stay tuned for that, man. So let's get into who's in the news, man. Facts. Let's do it. So let's get into who's in the news. Here we go. So let's talk who's in the news. Let's start with the NBA. I told y'all about the Chicago Bulls team. I told y'all, man. Y'all have been listening to me for quite some time. Uh, you know, my loyal listeners and my uh, uh, people that got their ear to the streets when it comes to my podcast, I'm telling you. I told you about this Bulls team. Now, I admit, I definitely admit that I was a little bit shocked myself at this start but these jokers are six and one yeah six and one 
through seven games. I mean, what what can you say? You know, it's, it, it's starting out way better than I thought. You know, I thought it would be good, but I didn't think it would be this good. You know, oh, man. I mean, I was not prepared for, for that particular record uh, through seven games. I mean, I, I'd have given them six and – I gave them five and four or five wins, you know, maybe. It depends on who they play. But four and one of conference, two and zero division. I mean, <laughs> six and one, you know, I just – look. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you, you know, they – they're, they're scary good, and I and I think we broke this down before, me and Coach Kirk, that you know it's this team is is built the right way, and nobody much like that. I like much. I like how the Nuggets are constructed. I like the way the Bulls are constructed. And the simple fact that they are constructed in a way that they aren't infringing on others. You know, you don't have two guys that are superstars play the same position. You don't have uh, you know two guys that are ball dominant. You have two guys that are you know both low post players. You know. Things that will clash. These guys are built the exact right way. Like, yeah, Lonzo was a facilitating point guard and a good defender. Caruso out here playing good defense off the bench. You know, Zach Levine, who's just super athletic. You know, DeMar DeRozan, who's a classic a consummate score. You know, you you, the go, you use your go-to guy when you need a bucket. You know, it just, I mean, the, it, the list goes on and on. I mean, it just, you know, let's not forget the big man, you know, in the middle. Let's not forget him. You know, so I, I just I just have to say that, you know, Nikola Vujovic, you know, like Shaq always says, anybody with a Vich name last name, they can shoot. You know, he might be a, he might be a 16 center, but he can shoot. You know, so <laughs> this team, man, I'm telling you, it's definitely looking good early, you know, and uh, and I hope it continues. I really do. I hope they don't have any injuries, anything like that. And if you start out hot like that and you're it only can go up if you build the right way, if you develop, develop the right chemistry and they seemingly. Like they're not going to go anywhere the way they're playing basketball. So I would I would love to see it, you know, for them to be dominant throughout the year. And my be totally and totally ahead of the curve when it came down to predicting they were going to be good. But I did not see them being a one seed right now. I'm not saying it's going to be the same. You know, things change and rearrange. But you know, I'm sure other teams will get better. But right now, six and one, that's that's a marvelous start. So also talk about the Heat and how they were constructed when they broke down their free agency uh, take in their. Uh, Picks that they took out of free agency, mainly me Kyle Lowry, and bringing some guys back. So they're playing good basketball right now. You know they are freshly rested and you know back in. You know have to go through that whole COVID year and you know shorter season, all that kind of stuff. They kind of you know took the legs and money. So they're back and they're rolling five and one as well. They've won four straight. That's crazy. That's crazy. You know Jimmy Butler's leading his team, and again. I've seen Tyler Hero reemerge, you know, in his play. Bam Adebayo's being dominant. You know, Kyle Lowry's kind of running the show from a point guard perspective. He's looking good. <laughs> so he's looking good, man. I like what he what he is playing right now. You got the Knicks at a five and two. The Knicks are five and two, four and two in the conference. You know, they 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 lost last night, but uh, you know, after beside that, I think they lost to the Raptors. But um, besides that, <clears throat> they're looking good as well. You know, they're playing good ball, and I think that. As addition to Kimball Walker has helped their offense. So it's, it's giving them another gun. As long as he can stay healthy, will help out uh, Julius Randle and company. And and I'm telling you this, and I've been waiting for him to, to, to emerge, R.J. Barrett. R.J. Barrett's shooting the ball really well early. So if he can continue to be uh, a lethal shooter, this team can be formidable, man, because we know they build on defense. You know, Thibodeau's a defensive guy. So he's definitely, you know, going to shut you down defensively. And if he can get his offense going in the right direction, that thing could be scary too, man. They definitely can take leaps. Definitely can take leaps. And uh, another surprise, another shocker 
The Washington Wizards are five and two. You know, they lost again their last game as well. But you know, five and twelve versus seven. I mean, nobody would have predicted that. You know, I mean, they definitely got some pieces. You know, they got the trade with the Lakers. They got Russell Westbrook out of there, and they still got Bill. They got Dinwiddie at point. You know, they got Montrez was playing good. You know, Kyle Kuzma was playing good. KCP's having those ups and downs, but they're playing pretty well as well. I have to give them credit. So where's the five and two now? Hopefully that stays the same. You know, you know, shouts out to those former Lakers, but you know, we'll see how that goes. You know, but um, but yeah, man, I'm surprised at the, at, the, at those teams as well. I'm not surprised as much surprised as they about their Bulls and the Heat as them about the Knicks and the Wizards being this hot early. But uh, yeah, man, it's looking good. Definitely looking good. Well, to the bad news though. The Nets are four and three. They lost. They won two straight now, but they four and three. Uh, the Hawks are four and three. They just won their first. Uh, they started a winning streak. And they won one in a row now. Um, and the Bucks are three and four. And they lost three straight. Now, the Bucks, I, w- I will give them a pass because they're got injuries and they got they don't have the full complement of p- players right now. But um, you know, so I, I expect them to bounce back. You know, and I understand this. That, you know, I tell every title winner going into the season. That you want to get everybody's best shot, hurt or not hurt, you know, missing players, you know, or not, you want to get people's best shot every night. They, and they don't care how banged up you are or how healthy you are. They want to give you their best shot every night because you're the bar. You know, did they want to see they can compete uh, seriously for a title and how they go against you guys? So, you know, that three that three game losing streak is just tough. It's definitely tough, but I, I have confidence that the, the chance will bounce back. I think they'll build the right stuff. So I think they'll bounce back and they'll they'll be in a fight. They'll definitely be in a fight, but. I'm I'm concerned about the Nets and the Hawks. Um, the Hawks, I expected them to be um, right where you know the, the Bulls and the Heat are right now. That team is constructed really well. I love their pieces and they their young guns and what Navy Millen's doing with that team. I've been singing their praises since last year. You know, so I mean, I'm just I'm just waiting for it, uh, it for me to cash in on my on my claims. That's really all I'm waiting for. But outside of that, you know, I'm really uh, you know I think the I think the Hawks will turn around. You know, it's just a matter of uh. I'm getting acclimated. I think Trey Young is just like James Harden is trying to get acclimated to that new rule and why they call the fouls. So, you know, it's affecting the offense a little bit, but I think they'll pull it together. They got a lot of shooters. They got a lot of players out there, you know, to rely on that. You don't have to just be completely and totally Trey Young dependent. So I'm, I'm not, I'm not too concerned. I'm not too concerned with that, but the Nets, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm just not sure. Cause I underscored this in sports. talk with coach Curry on Saturday that, you know, if you haven't have caught that catch the replay on that uh and every Monday at eleven AM on all platforms as well. So I broke it down and said I, they got issues. I mean they've never been a defensive uh dominant team or defensive uh savvy team, if you want to put it plainly, put it nicely. But uh, you know, they're and they're highly re- relying on K D right now. Because he's the only one that can score at a high clip and he's getting himself ejected from games with throwing elbows and stuff. So they've got problems. They got problems, and your boy Kyrie Irving, who we gonna talk about in a minute? He out there weighing in the weeds, collecting his money, and and standing on his uh, high ground of uh, vaccination. So, yeah, I, I'm I've got a little bit of a concern with by the Nets. I'm I'm a little worried, a little worried. I mean, I'm not worried as some other teams I'm gonna talk about, but I'm definitely a little concerned about how uh, radically dependent on are they on KD. And then let's be honest, I mean, he has some injury history and he's getting older. So, you know, if he goes down, then this team really goes down with him. You know, you don't want to be too highly dependent on one person. You should be able to win games without your big gun, you know, uh, in spots. You can't win every game, but you should be able to win in spots. And you know, especially with another gun like James Harden, you got to be able to get it done and figure it out. But we shall see. 
We shall see. So let's forward over to the Western Conference. The Western Conference got some surprise starts. Um, I, I won't call the Jazz a surprise start. I, I just didn't know what to make of the Jazz team because they didn't, you know, much like most Western Conference teams, they didn't make a lot of moves in all season. I really feel they really feel like they need to, you know, because I, I think it's going to come to it's going to come a point, you know. And I'm not sure when it's going to happen, but I think that the Jazz going to realize that they are, uh, much like the Nets, are really radically codependent on uh, uh, Spider Mitchell. You know, and I think that uh, his wings, although they're really good shooters, they're liabilities in every other facet. <laughs> you know, you need athletic shooters. You know, I, I, if nothing else, because what I can do with athletic shooters is I can I can teach them how to play. You know, defense. But you know, with Ingles and, and company, I don't just they just they're just shooters. They're just shooters, and it works in the regular season. But you, as you can see, going against a good defense team like the Clippers, they had struggles. They definitely have struggles. And if Spider gets hurt or gets dinged up or whatever, you know, and he just can't give you that Herculean effort every night, then it's going to be problematic because, again, you know, you have issues and, and, and concerns on the wing. Like, I just don't I just don't like it. I think they should uh, package up maybe one or two of those guys, in, you, know, um, you know, you know, at least maybe trade for uh, another athletic wing. You know, I just, I mean – and, and, and honestly, truly, you wouldn't hurt that bad because you have Jordan Carson off the bench. So you just you would just assert Carson into the lineup. I think he's an athletic wing. You know, he got him coming off the bench as a six man. You know, so um, I would I would honestly, truly consider maybe Bogdanovich or Ingles. You know, maybe trading one of those, one or two of those, and 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 getting rid of those guys. But again, that's to me they're they're they're, they're limited. Um, and then honestly, and truly, that's all you have. I mean, you got. You had Carson is a good shooter. Ingles and Bogdanovich are good shooters. But again, out of those three, only Carson is the athletic guy. So, you know, again, you know, Mike Conley got to stay healthy. Rudy Gay got to stay healthy. So it, it's, it's, I see, I see a lot of holes. And, and let's be honest here. Uh, you know, Rudy Gobert is a good defensive player, but he's not a scorer. <laughs> so I just see a lot of defenses in there. And like I said, they, they win in spots and they win. You know, a game here with one team, a game here with another team, but in a playoff series, I don't don't think they built the right way. I don't, and I mean, they may ride it out and and they will keep winning in the regular season, and when they play one team at a time, and it may look good on paper, and then they're gonna realize come playoff time they're gonna get beat again, you know, by whoever, and they're gonna be like, well, we gotta make some wholesale changes. We gotta do something on the wing because we're getting killed, and you know, we gotta find another dominant score. You know, I mean, again, I would start Clarkson if I was them. I would maybe bring Ingles or Bogdanovich off the bench, and I would start Clarkson, uh, you know, as a, as as an extra uh, hand in scoring because he can get his own shot, in my opinion. So, and again, he's an athletic wing versus Ingles and Bogdanovich. I just don't like I just don't like their athleticism. You know, and Bogdanovich is thirty two years old. You know, I mean, Ingles is thirty four, so they're not getting any younger. They're not getting any younger. So I would definitely uh, make some changes in that lineup, but we'll see how things shake. But um, that's my take on it. I just, they might be at tops right now, and they could stay there. I mean, they were the one seed last year, you know, but you see what happened in the playoffs. You know, they're one twist turn ankle away from being uh, limited as a team. So, and they got to play good at home because they don't play good on the road. So it is what it is. So, yeah. So another hot team that started off uh, five and one it was the Golden State Warriors, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, and they haven't got Clay Thompson back yet, which is scary. 
James Wiseman isn't playing for real, and Clay Thompson is still. I think he's Christmas time or time frame. And he's going to come back. So imagine that if they maintain this uh, success until Clay Thompson come back. This is scary. This is really scary. We could literally be talking about another run at a title if if things break right, you know. And they settled in once they balked on the whole Trayvon Ben Simmons aspect of uh, of things in, in offseason. They decided to buy into the young guys they have. You know, we, you know Wiggins is still there. You know, so if he's a third scorer with Draymond and Clay, and of course Steph is all world. And this team is is dangerous. It really is dangerous. I mean. I just you can't speak uh, well enough about them, and they could have another run in them. I don't know, you know. It, it, we could be talking about you know what, um, what they match up against in the East. You know, come come uh, playoff time, we really could be talking about. It. I mean, you know, the Splash Brothers could be back, and that team that won uh, what is this seventy three games in the regular season. They, they, we could be talking about something like that. If Clay comes back, if the old if Clay come back eighty to ninety percent of his own former self. That's a problem. That's a problem. He hadn't played in two years too, so he should be fresh. Yeah, I, I'm, 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 I'm thinking that might be, might be built with the right stuff as well. If the young guys can can play their role and, and step up and and do their and do what they need to do as far as the intangibles go, the team could go far. Definitely can go far. So, so yeah. So they got the Jazz and the Warriors. Um, you know, at five and one, they both well, won their last game. Now. I wasn't surprised by uh, where the the Mavericks and the uh, well, I'm surprised the Lakers are, but I'll talk about them in the surprise flop in a minute. But uh, I want to give credit to the uh, Grizzlies, man. They're four and three right now. Uh, you know, it's not a you know worldly, you know, a highly regarded start, but they play hard every night. Like John Morant is playing out of his mind. Like he he's start he started from game one to now. Like I'm trying to win MVP or something, you know. And I and I'm kind of upset because. You should have got this man another weapon, you know, to for him to uh, be able to work off of because he is electric and he needs another body to help him win games. He really does. Much like, you know, Dame needs one and and uh, Luca needs one. They both need another gun, you know, but just to help them get, you know, past those tough opponents, you know, because they're, like I said, they're four and three and they're four and three for a reason because they – you know, they, they most likely played good opponents and they just couldn't, didn't have enough juice from other players. You know, they let Jaw get his and, you know, or not let him get his, but he got his and there was no other, you know, big time contributors. So you need that number two to be dominant and compete, you know, at a high level. So I, I hope the Grizzlies don't squander that opportunity, but yeah, I think he needs another weapon. He definitely needs another weapon. So shout out to the Grizzlies for playing good competitive basketball and they're dangerous. And they could be, they could be any team every night. If you let John Moran get hot, and he started to get those shooters he has going. You know, he started taking baskets. They could beat you. <laughs> Let's not sit here and act like they can't beat anybody in the league right now. You know, it's scary. It's scary. So I expect them to be in a hunt. Now, from a surprise flop perspective, we got a lot in the West. You know, got more, got a lot in the West. Uh, I think it's more than and from the West than it is in the East. Of course, the Lakers are a flop for me. You know, they might be 4-3, and three, but it's an ugly 4-3. and three. You know, they shouldn't be 4-3 and three at all. I mean, hell, I mean... If I'm looking at all seven games they played, they shouldn't have lost any game, but probably outside of that Suns game. The Suns game they got drugged. They got drugged. The Suns game they got they got really got really beat bad. It was it was it wasn't pretty. You know you got people fighting on the on the sideline, all that kind of stuff. You know we don't get into that. We have but the Suns game, which ironically enough, Suns only one another one other game besides that. But that's a whole other thing. It's never even there. 
you know, they're, you know, they're two and three, but regardless of that, the Suns game, I, I'll give you that. They should have lost that game, but all the, all the other games were, you were in a game and you could, you should have won them. And, and a lot of them you gave away. You're up on the Suns, excuse me, you're up on the Warriors, you know, gave that game away. Up 26 on the Thunder, gave that a game away. Up on the Spurs, gave that game away. I mean, I, I can go, I can go, I can break down every single game. I've seen it, I've seen them all, I can break them all down, but you give you giving games away and you're playing absolutely no defense. So definitely a surprise flop for me, you know, because the way, you know, I mean, having I don't know what Russell Westbrook is or isn't for this team, but having a f- healthy AD and healthy LeBron and the shooters they have around them, it, it, we sh- they shouldn't be playing this bad. And that's just it. That's just it. So that's a surprise flop for me. The Blazers are as well. The Blazers are, <laughs> I, um, I don't know. I didn't, I mean, they're pretty much constructed like they were last year. They still have Noma Powell. In the trade they made last year, but they're three and four, you know, and they lost two in a row, you know. So I, I mean, they're saying Dame is struggling and you know things of that nature. He's not his normal self, and he's not normal fishing self, and no more deadly shooting self. And this and the third, and I'm like, eh. I mean, they got a new coach, so I mean, you starting over there, so everybody's trying to learn everybody. So I mean, it just could be some growing pains there. So I mean, I'm gonna give him a break, you know. But they did lose, drop two in a row, so we'll see how that things go, how pretty Haiti progress. But I mean, of course, we think they have a ceiling because they don't have any. You know, they, they, the same roster has been constructed the same way for the past several years, and they've getting the same results. You know, something I'm probably going to talk about a few times in this here podcast this week is that you can't keep doing the same thing and expect different results. You know, so that's where the Blazers are. You know, you, you keep putting the same thing out there and you expect different results, and it's just not happening for you. You got you to shake things up. You got to shake them up. But whether they or won't, they, that's their business. But, you know, they right now they're sitting at three and four. So the Suns are surprised, you know, being a defending Western Conference champions. They're two and three. Uh, they won their last game, but they're two and three. So I mean, they beat the Lakers and one other team, obviously. So, you know, I'm a little surprised by that, um, the way they you know constructed. But I will say this about the Suns: I'm a little concerned about the Suns as a whole, um, because this DeAndre Ayton contract thing isn't going away. Like, you know, every, they might be sweeping on the rug. They might not be talking about it as you know as a team. But it's not going away. It's, a, it's an indictment on, on Aiden that, that, that the Suns gave everybody else money but him. You know, they gave they paid Chris Paul first. They paid Bridges, you know, but they didn't pay him. You know, so they brought in, you know, you know they brought some guys back and things of that nature, and they gave him money, but they didn't give him a long-term deal. Now, I don't know if they, they're, they're, the different, they're the impasse as far as compensation. Maybe that's why. But... I'm concerned that they, they that that's going to loom over uh, their heads and it's going to affect Aiden's play because you don't have any long-term stability or, or you know, I guess you can say, you know, a contract to, to kind of fall back on. So that that's that's concerning. So will that affect their uh, camaraderie? You know, knowing not not know the unknown of not you know of where Aiden's going to be in a year. So. I'm curious about that, but we'll see how that shakes out. You know, the moment we get news on that, we'll always report it. So we'll see about that. Now, the most surprising one of all is the Clippers. They're one and four, and they've lost two in a row. So, uh, yeah, I wasn't surprised. Even without Kawhi, I wasn't expecting them to have how they took, uh, you know, everybody to the brink and got to West Conference Finals last year. It was pretty much the same team, and they're one and four. That's a very surprising as well. So we'll see how that how that changes or doesn't change you know we'll see but you know, i think that's pretty much status quo for me you know as far as the standings are concerned so you know we'll, we'll keep monitoring it you know as we as we get on and of course you know at this point 
you know, about about eight weeks or so, we'll be, uh, you know, mainly NBA focused. We'll definitely get more and more in depth about how the NBA is uh, shaking up, you know, getting leading up towards All-Star break. But uh, let's talk, uh, Mr. Irvin, real quick. Um, I had a revelation you know, while I was talking to Coach Curry. I, I seem to have be having that a lot here lately uh, when it comes down to uh, things that people aren't talking about. So as I underscored earlier that the Nets are, you know, a surprise plot for me. You know, I, I wasn't expecting them to be, uh, you know, where they are right now, four and three. Um, you know, I expected them to be at the top, you know, right where the Bulls and Heat are normally. I figured the Bulls and Heat would be under the – the Nets and the in the Bucks at this point, but it's definitely not that way. So uh, that being said, you know I, I'm a little concerned about the uh, Nets being like I talked about earlier, Kyrie dependent. Now, excuse me, AD dependent, and they need Kyrie. That's that's where I'm getting at. So <clears throat> this is the question I have because uh, I feel like you know he is at a contentious moment with the front office because they made the decision just to sit him down completely and not do this back and forth. So being that they're Mildly struggling. I'm gonna call it say mildly struggling. I'm not gonna call it, I'm not gonna, you know, push the panic button on them just yet, but they're they're mildly struggling. You know, and if they continue to struggle and they still have that same identity, you know, 10 games in, 15 games in, 20 games in, and they start to lose traction in the standings, and the Bulls are looking good, the Heat are looking good, the Bucks start to come back in the sin, they get as they get healthy. The Knicks are a surprise, the Hawks start to get right. You know, you don't want to lose too much traction in, in the playoffs and mess around and be a six or playing game type of team because everybody else is just so good. So <clears throat> with that being said, will the Nets relent at some point if it gets too too uh, turbulent uh on their stance of sitting Kyrie for away games? Because it's clear at this point that, you know, I, I don't and I don't see and this is my thing, another thing people aren't talking about is that uh, you know, they're wondering whether or not New York will uh lift this mandate at some point if, you know, numbers get better. But you have to understand where we're at in in, in a time frame of the year. It's, we're going into the, the cold months, you know, and they, they talked about this last year with COVID. You know, it will get worse during the cold months because you have normal colds and flus and things of that nature. And people are getting sick. And you have this ability to have higher temperatures to, you know, make, you know, quote unquote, eradicate the, the, the virus easier, you know, with higher temperatures. So you're looking at it like I'm pretty sure the New York City is dug in on this being at least until the spring, you know, when it starts to get warm again, where they where they at all lift these mandates and these uh, bans that you can't come in unless you're vaccinated. So with that being said, I don't think New York is going to relent. So where the next relent is the question, you know, at least let him play away games. So they'll give you a, a shot when it comes down to uh, it being um you being competitive and starting not to lose traction in the standings, you know, because to me, honestly, truly with James Harden still trying to figure it out um, with his offense and how these rules are playing, not into his favor. I mean, hell the rules made for him. So, you know, he's trying to figure that part out. So until he figures that part out, it kind of can affect the game offensively. Like he normally does. If he can anymore, who knows? I mean, the rule might just really honestly, truly take him, make him take a step back. Who knows? But, they can get that. I feel like Kyrie won't be affected by that. And I feel like that his scoring, you know, his 20 and eight a night, it will be thusly needed, you know, because again, he's compensating for Harden and he's giving the team a boost and he's getting more people involved as a playmaker. So, you know, again, it, it makes a lot of sense for the, for if the Nets lose traction to say, you know what, we'll let him play away games because we're desperate and we're dug into this and we're all in and we got to win the title. <laughs> 
or try at least. You know, because, but if we don't even have make it a, a valiant effort in the regular season, then we don't, uh, everything else doesn't matter. So I'm curious. So remember I said it, episode 61, that, you know, how long will the Nets front office hold Pat if they continue to struggle? So, so the last topic in the NBA section is Zion. Let's talk about Zion real quick. I'm a little concerned about him too. Um, And who's uh, advising him and who's, uh, look it out for him because this Id- idea of you know him having uh consecutive injuries and weight problems and things of that nature shouldn't be an issue as a pro athlete when you're in the third you know third to fourth year you know again i want to say you know you get around you know one year one and year two is kind of you know you're trying to figure things out especially with covid being you know in the forefront of all that you know it's it's, it's different you know but once you start settling to a normal schedule you know year three year four you know, you get, you know, especially a year five, you should have everything ironed out. You should have your regiment, your diet, your workout uh, plan going. Everything should be in line and everything should be flowing smooth, especially when you're young like he is. So the type of type of things he's struggling with makes me wonder about his camp and his thought process and what he's got going on with him internally. Because, you know, I, for my money, I would have thought at this point, you know, because I see a lot of guys do this. They, they come in with a certain body type. Um, from either, you know, the G League overseas, you know, or college. And, and when you're in college and they come into the league at one way, but by year two or three, you know, definitely four, they're, you know, have an NBA body. You know, they've matured. They've gotten their, um, you know, what people call a man body. You know, they, you know, they got into that, you know, that deep, dark, deep settling point of you being a grown adult man, you know, and, you know, he's at that point. So why are we having issues with his weight? And I feel like the weight is 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 a direct reflection on his uh, injuries, because he's carrying too much weight now. When he was like two eighty, I was like too, that was too much. Now he's pushing over two ninety three hundred pounds, and all you there's no school, there's no other distraction. You're just a professional athlete. Why is that a case? That's concerning, man. That's concerning, and. Honestly and truly, if he doesn't get this together, and I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the broad picture, then I'm gonna you know get back into some details, is that if he be, continues to have these issues, then that's gonna make the Pelicans wonder about whether or not they want to resign him long term. Now, him resigning with his first team will give him the most money. He get the most, he get the max deal from them. But you know, will they want to, and will he want to? You know, at this point, I mean, because Pelicans aren't making a whole lot of noise as a team, and him playing or not playing, does it make that? Big of a difference that they will honestly and truly be, be a playoff competitive team is a question too. And again, if you can't seem to keep your weight under control and your injuries under control at a young age, it doesn't get better. You know, if you bang yourself up, ask Greg Oden and and, and and Brandon Roy and those guys. You know, if you bang yourself up early, it doesn't get better later. Ask Todd Gurley. You know, some people are are still young in their mid twenties, they out of the league. You know, because they just got too many injuries early and they just never recover from them. You know, so he has to mitigate this stuff now, you know, get a better training regimen. If you got to fire your training staff and fire, find a new one, you know, lean on your teammates, you know, lean on older cats in the league, you know, hell, call Giannis on the Kupo. I mean, hell, he has to have a great training staff, you know, he's freaking, freaking, you know, I mean, if he wasn't playing basketball, he'd probably be in a bodybuilder, you know, he's, he's built. You know, I mean, some of that probably could be genetics, but some he has to work with it. Look at how he was when he came to the league versus how he looks now. That's training. 
That's that's not genetics. That's not all genetics. So just lean on other guys you're cool with. You know, find out what they do. You know, because I mean, they are, I'm sure they won't be stingy in the simple fact that like they wouldn't share who they work with or who or how they go about things. They all do that kind of stuff now. You know, it might not be different. Might have been different back in the day, but it's not the way now. <clears throat> so I would definitely lean on you know some people that's within the, your circle or, or within your the organization within the NBA and find out exactly what they do and get your weight under control first and foremost. You know, get your diet to right. You know, if you got to go vegan, go vegan. Do what you got to do. You know, but you can't. You need to get down to around about two sixty. You know, and get your get your strength up, but get down to two sixty. You know, but two sixty two sixty five is probably, you know if it be athletic and be a leaper. You know, because you have to be that to, to be dominant at your size. You know, you need that because if you don't have that, then you're you're gonna be up against it from a production standpoint. You know, because I mean that's your calling card. You know, strength, athleticism, and you know ability to get above that ground quick. You know, that's going to be it. If you lose that, then that's going to be limited. There's going to be a deep limitation to your game. And you don't want that early. Definitely want that early. So you got to get it under control, you know, because if I think you get his weight under control, the injury will cease, you know, because he just has too much weight up, going up and down and being so athletic like that with all that weight, you know, pounding on your joints and your ligaments. Not a good look. Not a good look. So you got to get it under control, and I hope he does. So I think that's his biggest concern. Get that weight down and everything will be everything will be copacetic. So, so that's gonna wrap up the NBA segment. Uh let's move over. Let's take a quick break and then we'll move over to the NFL. And we are back with Who's in the News for NFL segment. I'm your host, Coach Defense. You're listening to the Lockdown Defense Podcast, episode 61. Oh, wow. Wow, wow, wow. Now, <laughs> I know they say that, uh, you know, Halloween brings out certain things in, you know, in the world and certain things happen, you know, just, you know, just weird and, 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 and uncharacteristic. But <laughs> this particular Sunday, you know, Halloween fell on a Sunday. You know, and boy, was it scary Sunday for a lot of teams. And I just, I just did not predict this at all. Like, I'm gonna just put it out there on the table, and we'll get into it later on in the segment. But man, it was so bad this week. I went 0 and six in my high picks. <laughs> I mean, the line—I didn't cover the line or the team. It was bad. It was bad. It was, it was rough. Coach Kurt went two and four. I went 0 and six. I just like, whew. I mean, hell, I don't think I can hang my hat on this week. Charters lost. You know, I got three and on fantasy. Lost the Pick'em League again this week. Lost that bad. So, man, it's it's, it's rough sledding. It's rough sledding. But, again, all this topsy-turviness that's happening in the league, man, is it's, it's definitely making it difficult for a person that's, you know, normally dialed into what's going on in the league and how things run. You know, it's just it's just weird. It's just weird, weird year. It's a weird year. And, and this is a, a more stable year and in, in a less COVID-laden year than it, than it was last year. Last year was easy to predict. Hell, I can't, I can't buy one this year. <laughs> it really is. So, scary Sunday, Sunday upsets and backup quarterbacks. That's the first segment. So, we're going to go down the line here. We have four backup quarterbacks that literally set the world on fire this past weekend, man. Oh, it was rough. So, Geno Smith, who I honestly truly was 
ready to write him off. And like, why do you can call Cam Newton to find another quarterback uh, for the Seahawks? He walked all over the heck on Jaguars. Now, I'm not sure if that's an indictment on how bad the Jaguars are. And this is really bad because they came off a bye week. You know, you had two weeks to prepare for this team. You knew Geno Smith was the quarterback, and you still got beat 31 to 7. Like, what? <laughs> like, what? Bro, what are you talking about, man? Like, really? Like, you expected that? I didn't expect it at all. I actually truly thought the Jags might upset him because I just didn't like the way that the, the Seahawks played on Monday night. They just looked horrible. But again, they were playing the Saints. And again, I underscored this early, early on in the year. If you've been listening, that the Saints defense is good. When they're all completely healthy, their Saints defense is built right and they're good. So it might have just been the fact that they just ran into a buzzsaw on that defense, but the Jags give up no resistance. I mean, they beat them 31 to 7. I mean, come on. <laughs> come on. I mean, what I mean, why just watch show up? It's just one of those, like, you know, just you know, just throw the white flag in the middle of the field at the start of the game and we just go and move out of business. We only gotta do this. We ain't gotta do this. You know, it's just you see the bully in the yard, he like he wanna fight. He lost, you know, in his entire career. You know, like, man, look, we ain't got to do this. Bring it in, man. Bring it in. Come on. Give me a hug. This is stupid. <laughs> That's how I felt. I mean, it's so bad. I did literally dominate him from pillar to post. And uh, Urban Meyer and that team, I just don't know what to think. I never bet on them again. I tell you that damn much. Oof. Another team that, that's, you know, and, I, and now again, I don't know if this is an indictment on the Bengals or – the resiliency of the Jets. But the Jets, Mike White, a guy you never heard of. He filling in for Zach Wilson, who's hurt. Back up for the for the Jets. And they didn't, to me, they didn't even believe this guy is real tough because they went out and traded for Joe Flacco. But Joe Flacco got traded so late that he wasn't able to suit up for this game. So Mike White took the reins against the Bengals. And based upon the way the Bengals have been playing, we just knew this was going to be a drubbing. And it was. They were up 11, you know, going into the fourth. And somehow, some way, the Mike White and the Jets came roaring back and winning this game in regular over irregular regulation, thirty-four to thirty-one. <laughs> you know, and again, it, again, it's a little bit of a diamond on the Bengals because they had the game ice, ice. You know, and they had, Joe Burrow all he had to do is get a first down, I believe. He throws a screen, it gets red, it gets batted in the air, picked off. They turn it over. The the, the Jets take it all the way down the field, score, and ball game. <laughs> really? Yeah, you went from eleven point up into a three point loss. I tell you, I tell you. So the Jets have their second win of the year, and honestly, truly, this is momentum building for them because, like I said, you know, the Zach Wilson will come back. You know, they got Joe Flacco. I'm not. I put to my for my money. I would still start White. I wouldn't even. I wouldn't even change Flacco just yet. This team got fighting, got grit, and they're getting healthy. I mean, they're, the whole line is in shambles. Red tackles out there, but you know, I think I'm. I think Makai Beckton is still hurt, and I think they lost their right tackle. So they ain't got no tackles, you know, you know, but you know, it, it, it doesn't matter. <laughs> they, they, they fighting and they fight, they gonna fight you. You know, they, they put up way more fighting lines than putting up right now. <laughs> That's a slap in the face, but whatever. They're bad. We know they're bad. But regardless of that, the Jets <laughs> beat the Bengals in uh in the trap game of the year, 34 31. Hmm. So uh James Winston was set to play his old team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, in New Orleans this past Sunday. And um, sad news because Jameis got caught, his leg got caught in a tackle, and uh, he tore his ACL. Rough. So, um, you know, it's rough, and I risk him a speedy recovery. But um, but if you're watching this game, you know, from uh, 
the lens, you know, a normal lens, you think, well, if James is hurt, they have no chance. We didn't really think that the Saints were going to beat the Bucks anyway with James. So you know with no James is over, right? Wrong. Wrong. As Charlie Murphy said in Chappelle Show, wrong. No. Trevor Simeon comes in the game and literally just drives on the Bucks at will for the better part of this game. And it wasn't towards the third, in the middle of the third, early fourth, that Tom Brady finally dug us some out, out of like a 20 to like nine score or something of that nature and, and decided to actually, you know, okay, now we can play football. I don't know. I don't know. Again, scary upsets, scary, scary Sunday upsets. So Trevor Simeon outduels Tom Brady and to a tune of 36 to 27. Now this was aided by a pick six that Tom Brady threw late to to PJ Williams, I want to say, but you know, but just to be in that position, I mean, we, you told me Trevor Simeon played most of this game and they played the bucks. I'm like, Oh yeah, the bucks dog. No, no, that Saints defense though. I'm telling you. And you know, if you had to say, you know, Tom Brady has some kryptonite, it's Foxborough on the other side and the New Orleans Superdome <laughs> because he doesn't play well in those environments when he's uh, on the other side of things. He's the weight team. So a little bit rough for Tom. You know, he had an uncharacteristically uh, bad outing you know, through a couple of picks, and one was very costly because it cost him the game for the most part. I mean, they were driving. They were going to go up. They're going to at least – all they need is a field goal to win the game, and, and he threw a pick, and it was an ugly one too because it was in two-man, and, you know, the safety just, just was waiting for him to throw that over route, and – Ugh, it got ugly quick. And not only did he pick it, but he ran it back for six. And that was pretty much all she wrote. All she wrote. So 36 to 27, Trevor Simeon. Let's let that sink in. Trevor Simeon outduels Tom Brady the GOAT. Absolutely crazy. But we weren't done with shockers this week. Uh, you know, you thought that that might have been the biggest one, right? Yeah. So, yeah, if you watch Hard Knocks, you know, in the preseason, you knew – that there was a dramatic drop off between the backups of the Cowboys and Dak Prescott, right? You're like, oh my God, they play a backup there and they have no chance. They're, they're all time bad when it comes to backups. Like they just they can't get it done. You know, Cooper Rush and, and those guys, I think they actually let the other guy go in, in the favor of Will Greer in a trade but, or, or waivers. But regardless, Cooper Rush wasn't, he's not, he's not, he's not, he's not it. He's not it. So and I even said, I, I made it publicly known, I said that if Dak Prescott does not play, I'm changing my pick to the Vikings. <sighs> and this is what I get for bad no Kirk Cousins. And I'm going to talk about him in a little bit too. I guess I got some, I got a bit of a grievance with him too. I didn't have my grievance of the week, but I got a grievance with him too. But uh, Cooper Rush gets a start. And he beats Kirk Cousins in Minnesota 2016. Now, this is completely, now, you know, be going back and forth with the other two games, like, you know, I'm like, well, it's an indictment on the Jags. It's an indictment on the Bengals. No, this is, is this is no question. This is an indictment on the, on the Vikings because the Vikings are such a bipolar team. And I don't want to, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not bashing bipolar people at all. So don't, don't, don't come for me, but you know, but it, it the, but analogy fits. Like they just, they just so up and down. It's so Jack and Hyde to me. You just don't know what you're going to get week to week. Like they'll mess around and blow out a team they they are completely and totally underdogs too, and beat them bad. 
but then they'll, they'll, they'll play a backup quarterback in the Dallas Cowboys and lose in their home stadium. You just you just don't know what you want to get. And and it's li- the limitations and the mediocrity of Kirk Cousins is, it just grinds my gears to this point. I just don't understand how he can finagle two guaranteed contract deals out of the Vikings. I just don't understand it. I just don't understand it. Now, Cooper Rush played well. I mean, he did have a couple of you know, miscues, a few turnovers, you know, but the Vikings couldn't take advantage of it. Now, I'm still, the jury's still out for me on this Dallas defense. It does look good. You know, it is, does look good. It looks way better than I thought it was going to be this year. I thought it was going to be their Achilles heel. You know, of course, Trayvon Diggs playing good. Michael Parsons is a freak of nature. You know, they still don't have Demarcus Lawrence back, so that's going to make it even worse. Randy Gregory's playing out of his mind. So imagine Randy Gregory playing out of his mind and you get, get Demarcus Lawrence back. That's going to be a hell of a pass rush. On top of the, the linebacker core is solid, and the secondary is playing really good. So you got a number one corner in Diggs that's taking away your number one receiver for the most part. You know what I mean? It's a good problem to have. But regardless of that, again, you look at it like a, a backup quarterback is coming in this game. This is our game. Now, I don't know if you got too overconfident and just knew you were going to beat him and you just played too conservative. But that's that's not what you do. Once they started to figure things out, you need to be, jump on them and get the ball rolling and go. And the Vikings just sat on their hands and and, and lost. And watching Kirk Cousins play quarterback is so frustrating. It's so frustrating. I don't know how the football team did it for so long, and I don't know how the Vikings do it. Oh, it's so bad. It's so bad. There's so much more uh, talented and less limited people out there. It's silly. And you got you stuck with this dude for another year. This year and next year. He got guaranteed money throughout through 2022. Uh, how do you do it, Kurt? But you will live good, man, because I swear, you got you know hundreds of millions of dollars if you made play, playing mediocre at quarterback. I want to I, I want to be able to make that kind of money be mediocre too. So please tell me the secret. I just wanted I just wanted to have that. Like let me be I I I have to be great at my job to make kind of money I do. But I don't want to. I be want to be able to make hundreds of million dollars and be mediocre like you. I want to. I want to do that. Please tell me the secret. Please tell me the secret. So, Cooper Rush goes to pass to Mark Cooper in the, in the back of the end zone to go up twenty sixteen, and they ultimately defeat the Vikings in Minnesota. And I just cannot, for the life of me, believe that happened. I really don't. It, it's it's really all time bad. I don't. I don't get it. I don't get it. So, the Vikings yet again lose when I now this think it's a slam dunk for them to win, and I just can't. And it just it just annoys me to no end. And if you're a Vikings fan, ugh, it's rough out here in any streets. It really is rough out in these streets. But there you have it. So that's our scary Sunday upsets. So in the big news of the week so far, uh, we found out Monday morning that Derrick Henry is uh, has an injury to his foot and is going to require surgery. That's likely going to keep him out. Extended period of time and most likely the end of the season. So that's a big blow. Now the Titans did win their game against the Colts. So um, you know that's a silver lining to a dark cloud. But you know because they definitely deep in control of their division. So the likelihood, unless they completely fall on their face, the likelihood of them making the playoffs is really good because everybody in the division is bad. Uh, the Colts uh, dug themselves too big of a hole and they have a they have a two game lead in division on them already. On top of the fact that the, the Texans and the Jags are just horrendous. So they would like to still win a division. But I think that this particular injury is really, 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 really bad luck. It really is. Um, you know, when people want to, you know, you know, I guess you can say, I don't, I'm not sure if there's such a thing as Titans Twitter, but certain Titan fans I've seen on social media I mean like, 
well, if we had did this and did that, he wouldn't be hurt. I mean, that's honestly true to me, unless I'm wrong. This is the first major injury Derrick Henry's ever had. You know, in all the years, for several years he's been in the league. He, even in college, he's never been hurt, you know, profusely from my my memory. So, you know, just to me, it's just a freak accident. But it's the accident the worst time. And you literally just beat the Chiefs. You literally just beat the Bills. You know, you beat the uh, the Colts and OT. You have two wins on them. You're sitting pretty. Now, Derrick Henry's healthy. You're a good, you're you're a big time favorite to go far in the playoffs. You know, I feel like it's, it's no team in the AFC you can't beat. You know, if you have the right you have the right game plan. You know, they they have the right offense. You know, especially for cold weather type of environments, and they would likely probably would have set themselves up to be in a cold weather environment either in Buffalo or in, in Tennessee, and it fits their bill. But with no Derrick Henry, man, uh, it's rough. Now, you know, they did bring Adrian Peterson in as a backup. Now, we don't know. He's fresh off the street, and we don't know exactly how much he got left in the tank, but he's no Derrick Henry, and neither is McNichols and the other guys that got in the stable, so I'm not sure how this is going to affect the run game. You know, and it's honestly true. Derrick Henry's a different style runner than all of those other guys. So that's going to be a, a, a work in progress. Let's call it that. So, But they're going to establish a similar style of the running game and keep AJ and Julio healthy, my God, with them soft tissue injuries, they can they can still do some things. But I'm sure morale, from a morale perspective, it hurts. Not to have your bell cow running the ball back there because he's he totally completely changes the whole dynamic of how you play defense. You know, because if I had to go against him, I'd be like, "Ooh, it's gonna be a long day. It's gonna be a long day." So. I think this really was really telling, and it really it really hurts their chances. And I think they're they take a, a deep step back as far as being a contender, just by that injury, and it sucks, and it really does suck. And I really feel for them as a whole, um, as an organization, because they were really primed to go far finally uh, with the team they got. So it's, it's terrible, man. It's terrible. But well, some interesting news trade wise, uh, Von Miller got traded on Monday to the L.A. Rams. Now get this trade now. I, when I saw the trade, when I just broke the tweet, I was like, how the hell the Rams gonna make this work? They got five million dollars in cap, and Von Miller got around about 13, 14 million dollars in uh in salary that he's being paid, right? Like, how they gonna make this work? Come to find out that they were so interested in trading Von Miller and getting draft picks from the Rams that they offered now, this is something I didn't think people offered much or at all, but they offered to pay Von Miller's salary in order for it to happen. So they paid the Rams basically got a free player, a free Pro Bowl, you know, one of the most dominant edge rushers in the game for free. On top of the fact that you got the most dominant interior pass rusher in the game on your team already and the most dominant corner. So, yeah, the Rams have pushed their chips all in on the table. Like every coin they got and in their bank account is on the table, pushed it forward, and we're betting on this particular Super Bowl run. And how regal is it? Because they, they so far is the home of the Super Bowl this year. They want to go all in the bed to play at home, and play a home game basically for the Super Bowl. And and I'm gonna I'm be honest with you. If I'm gonna stay healthy, which he should more so now because you shouldn't have to do the, all the dirty work and get double and triple teamed all day like he was in Denver because Bradley Chubb was hurt. Now with them having to focus on Aaron Donald, he's gonna have a lot of one on ones and. You know, and if you and honestly, and truly, with the personnel they got, they ain't have to give up anybody from a personnel perspective. They they can literally play Von his own pass downs. And phew, good luck. <laughs> That's all I can say. If Von ain't got to do nothing but pass rush, 
He ain't got to play the run. He ain't got to play first, second down for real. You just bring him in on second and long, third and long, and allow him to do what he does best and get after the pass at that speed he has. Good luck. <laughs> Good luck. I'm sorry. You know, and the Kyle Murray's banged up, you know, and uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, oh, Russell Wilson, oh my God. Phil. <laughs> only person to save is Matt Stafford. <laughs> the only person to save is Matt Stafford because he's on 18. Only person to save. Only person to save. Oh, man, it's rough. And Tom Brady can't move. And you see what Aaron Donald did to him just with himself. So you mean to tell me you got Aaron Donald coming in your face and 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 Brown Middle come around your edge? Uh, good luck. As as uh, as in the movie Taken is was said, good luck. That defense just got astronomically better. And to me, they now leap the Cardinals and 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 everybody as being a favorite because you mean to tell me with that uh, with a dominant defense like that, you made a defense that that much more dominant with with now two maybe three of the best players on defense on one team. And then offense running at, at, at the radius running, that's 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 too much of a juggernaut. That's too much of a juggernaut to to be completely and utterly overlooked. You can't overlook it. You really can't. And we, let's watch these next three to four games and see how e- much easier it is for them because they're gonna get extra possessions from their defense. They're gonna get people all the field a lot. And they, and Matt Stafford's gonna throw for even more yards. And hell, I got a few friends on my fantasy team, so I'm here for it. <laughs> I'm here for it. So give him the rock. Give him the rock. And Von Miller is now a Ram. How about that? So, talking trade. We're now at the eleventh hour. If you listen to my podcast, if you listen to it as it goes live, ten AM on Tuesday, right? We're at eleven hour. Four o'clock today is the trade deadline for uh the NFL this year. Right? Little at the eleventh hour, and um, and it's getting towards uh the end of the road when it comes down to trying to trade Deshaun Watson at this point from a Texas perspective. Now, we want to give uh you know a bit of overview, big quick and uh, ugly overview of the situation in the last couple of weeks. It got reported that you know now the Panthers were back in the mix and the. And the, of course, the Dolphins were always interested, you know, although they act like they weren't, you know, keep advocating for Tua as their quarterback. But secretly, they've been, you know, negotiating, quote unquote, with the Texans all this time. So last week, it got reported that they agreed in principle on a deal. Now, only thing that was hanging the deal up is, 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 is that the owner of the Dolphins wanted clarity on Deshaun's legal troubles. Now, what I didn't realize is that minute at the time, what I do now is that he basically wanted Deshaun to pay out a monetary amount to these suitors uh, against him to make the cases go away. Now, now that goes back to my whole claim of the reasoning behind these suits. Because if I can just pay the money, like I said at one point or another, because I've been covering this situation since it broke. Now, if and I've been talking about it at length. So I said to him at one point that he should just settle it and go, let it make it go away because it won't end well, right? So he was going to not only waive his trade clause for the Dolphins because they've, 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 they had pretty much done the deal, right? They had a deal in place. He was going to actually pay the money to have the case settled, which, again, gives me pause because if you were, if all you had to do was pay the money, these cases were 
frivolous in its own right. And it, all, it was just really about money. It wasn't about guilt or innocence. It was just about money. But if he can just write a check, struggle with a pen, and, and pay to make it go away, and it all gets settled, and with it, nothing being, being, with it being nothing but civil suits, to, in my opinion, because there's no criminal stuff going on here, there's very little talk of any, of any about any criminal stuff. But if the suits go away, and I'm, probably, I'm pretty sure that, that he would negotiate for them to drop the criminal charges as well. So if there are no criminal charges against them, and then the civil cases get settled, the league has no bearing on suspension, right? So all that goes away. It, likely no suspension from the league. Likely uh, uh, all your cases get settled and everything goes away with a monetary amount, all right? So, okay, so it's a slam dunk. Okay, I mean, when Deshaun's going to be in Miami, right? No, <laughs> no. So what happens in the same breath of this whole talk, you know, they're looking at, they're looking at Deshaun like, settle your cases, we'll pull the trigger. Texas is like, oh, for real? Okay, so if Deshaun's going to settle his suits, he's going to waive his trade clause. Guess what, Miami? We need more. <laughs> we need more. So they up the trade value, up the trade price of it, right? Like, you're literally right, blindsided everybody with the whole ask of more compensation for Deshaun's services. So at this point, like, I don't, we went through all this. You had negotiated with Deshaun to settle his suits, but he didn't want to do, you know, from my, from my understanding, what I read, he did not want to settle these suits because it was an admission of guilt, but he was willing to bite the bullet for that and take, and take the hit for the, just to be able to play football again. Now I did mention that as well, that when, when will the itch to play football, you know, overshadow, overshadow uh, his ability to be right or wrong in these cases. It seemed like it was getting to that point. But we're back at square one because now the Texans up the price. So they, you know, they did all this legwork, got the trade done, got the conversation right. You know, basically at, at that time, at that moment, that's what the Texans wanted. Gave him what you wanted. Got the shot in the set of the cases, relieve his trade clause. Everything was going to work. Then they came in and swooped in behind, the, you know, the scenes. But like, look, now we need more. So at this point, if I'm Miami, the Texans aren't negotiating in good faith. And the Dolphins are, at, you know, if I'm Miami again, they're, they're one and seven. The Texans aren't negotiating good faith. You're one and seven. I wouldn't do a deal with the Texans at this point. I would literally go, would, would dig back in and evaluate Tua and get a full season's worth of evaluation from him. Take these two, one, one half year and, and, and a full year of, of, uh, of uh, tape and see what you really have in your rookie quarterback, you know, well, second year quarterback. Because again, the Texans are just playing games at this point, in my opinion. They're just playing games, you know. And I don't know what they're trying to do because they're looking at it like, well, not many teams are interested. Maybe they're trying to drive up interest. I don't know what they're trying to do. I don't know. Maybe they don't want him in the AOC because he'll at some point he's gonna come back to play them more often than not. They'd rather send him to an NFC team, but NFC teams don't want to play ball. I don't know. But regardless. It's an ugly situation, and I would let, I would make the Texans go back to Jordan Board and you figure it out because at this point I have a quarterback, and it may not be the quarterback I want, but I do have a quarterback, and he's he's still better than the quarterbacks you got at this point. So I would literally just be like, you know what, I'm good. Y'all can deal with that at 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 the off season time frame when it's time to uh, negotiate free agency in the draft, and you know maybe we'll talk to you about it then, maybe we won't. 
Maybe he'll have some clarity to his legal situation. Maybe he won't. I don't know. But regardless of that case, again, you know, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't mortgage my future, um, you know, at this point because they, they're playing too many games. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be bothered. I wouldn't be bothered. So I doubt highly that the trade will happen for Deshaun Watson. I think he's gonna be remaining a Texan throughout this whole season. And then we'll talk about it again in the offseason. You know, like I said, maybe there'll be more clarity to the legal situations at that point. Maybe it won't. But regardless of that, it's not a good look. And I wouldn't do it. It's, it's, it gives me all kind of bad vibes. I wouldn't do it in Miami. I really wouldn't. So, uh, moving on to another team that's just can't seem to get right. And it's been that way for the entire length of their existence as a franchise, for real. Browns are being the Browns again. And, you know, you know some people in teams that just can't seem to get out their own way. That's what the Browns are doing with their season. And, and, and it's completely going in the wrong direction. And Baker's doing nothing, you know, by, by nothing for them by playing hurt. And severely hurt at that. You know, and, and it's really, it's not going to improve his chances of getting a contract extension. That's what all this is about. Baker's trying to get a contract extension. So he's trying to fight through this injury in order to play and be out there and say that, hey, I, I fought, I grinded, you know, I... I gave my best, and I deserve an extension. That, that's not how they think about it when it comes to that. It, it is not. It is not. And I really feel like at this point, he could mess around and play himself and his team out of his contract extension and the playoff chances because the longer he's out there and in the limited capacity he is, I mean, let's be honest. You know, he wasn't lighting the world on fire. Like, he wasn't Josh Allen. He wasn't Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson or Justin Herbert, you know, before him now, you know. I think he was a little bit above Kirk Cousins, you know. And again, Kirk Cousins, we talked about him and his guaranteed money, but but it, it's it's a little bit above that. So, and if you're looking at it, if I'm if I'm Cleveland looking at it, looking at the Vikings situation, I don't want to get stuck like that. So again, they're not looking at it like you're helping yourself by playing, you know. But I think a healthy case Keenum gives you a more optimistic view. Um, when it comes down to making the playoffs, I think because he'll play safe, he'll play within the confines of the offense, and he won't. He's not a hit away from being out of the game anyway. Because I mean, let's be real. I don't, you know, with torn labrums, several torn, multiple torn labrums, and a fracture, you should not be playing quarterback right now. You shouldn't. And again, it, it, this literally could end with with the Browns not making the playoffs because they're five hundred at this point, and Baker could do the complete opposite of what he wants to do and play himself out of a contract extension because I really feel like the Browns could look at this situation and, and look at it like, well, we, we would want to do things. You know, we won't pay him a long-term deal and especially won't give him any kind of money that he's asking for or might be looking for as a comp to his uh, draft class. You know, what Josh Allen got or, or, you know, what Patrick got, or, you know, what Lamar may get, you know, something like that. You know, he's not going to get that kind of money. He, you know, he doesn't deserve that kind of money, I'll be honest. You know, he, he hasn't played to the level of the people I just named. But, you know, again, but he's going to ask for, you know, a, a good extension because everybody asks for the next higher dollar amount when they come up for extension. You know, so everybody assumes that Lamar's going to get a bigger bag than that guy. So I think he's going to play himself out of a, you know, I think he really could play himself out of a contract and what they could look at it like, well, we won't give him a long-term deal. Uh, we give the franchise tag him like Kirk Cousins and Dak, they did them, um, you know, in Washington and Dallas, or, or treat them like Jared Goff and trade them for an upgrade. 
you know, you could really look at it one of those two things, but I, I don't think that a long-term deal is in the future at this point. I think he's looking at either a trade release slash release or, uh, or a franchise tag. you know, you know, but again, I get it. I mean, NFL fans and, and Brown fans especially had a house with this team. And I think they just really might be held back by a bad decision. They're, they're making with a quarterback, you know, I really think that's what it is. So I, I really think that, uh, you know, somebody just step in and be like, look, this team is built to, this team, that team is built to play when the play goes to the playoffs. And that team is definitely built to go to playoffs and be competitive, but you got to have the right quarterback. So, I mean, you know, whoever that guy is, you know, it be, it might, the guy might not be in the room right now. You know, he, you know, he might be, you know, in the draft or free agency or whatever, but you know, with that roster, <laughs> you got to find somebody they can, they can afford and keep that roster together and, and, and be able to uh, compete because again, one of the most dominant ring games in the league, but yet again, you can't, you know, we get, when you face a team like the Steelers, when they have a really good run defense, one of the top in the league and you can't run a ball at, at will and, and control a game. You got to throw, throw the ball, which is a passing league at this point. If you can't get that done. You can't win, you can't win competitive football games. You can't, you can't do it. So I think that's where their limitations lie. And I, I really think that they have a hard decision to make come off season. I'm kind of bigger, man. But we'll see. We will definitely see. So uh, moving down, uh, moving, I guess you can say, towards the West Coast. And uh, let's talk about uh, Derek Carr. Uh, we talked about this at Living Sports Talks. So if you haven't checked that out, please do. As you get a, a better overview, a longer overview about uh, my feelings in this, in this particular aspect. But I just wanted to bring it full circle to who people that may or not who may listen to the podcast but didn't listen to sports talk so if you haven't been listening or, or seeing um videos of this incident their car uh came to the defense of john gruden and uh you know basically said in so many words that you know he feels like he had a bad moment and he feels like that we he should and we all as a whole should forgive him or what he did. Um, what? No, 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 no. See, that's the thing about this situation. It wasn't an incident. It was a history of behavior. You know, John Gruden is one of those guys that is very, very pro him and people that look like him. And he's very uh, snobbish and he looks down upon people that aren't like him. So in that breath, how can you ever, ever, ever defend somebody like that? Because he is, you know, and, and I, I mean, I'm not saying, I'm not going to sit here and say that maybe John Gruden didn't brainwash Derek Carr and making him think he was a more person than he really wasn't because people do that. People do do that. They can make you seem as if they're one way and they're really not, but behind closed doors, they're a completely, totally different person. And I, I it, may, it may be that, but, but this is my thing. Once the truth comes out, then you should back up. And I'm talking about Derek Carr, because yeah, you might think that John Gruden is one way. Like you know, he might be good to you, and he might be a good person to you, and he might treat you with nothing but respect. You know, I had a guy that I work with like that. You know, like he was an asshole to everybody in the office but me. You know, and I don't know what it was what it was about me. You know, I'm a black person and he was white, but 
you know, you know, I'm African American, he's Caucasian, I don't want to slice it, but you know, he never, you know, he never gave me any static, right? Now, I'm, you know, I'm, again, I don't know why that was, you know, you know, maybe just a, a level of respect that he had, you know, for me versus other people, but you know, so for him, from my perspective, he was, you know, for our one-on-one interaction, he was a good person. You know, well, he didn't give me, any, I'm not gonna say he was a good person, but he didn't give me any flack, but I can see all the flack he was giving everybody else. So, you know, so if, if Donald Trump was truly good to you and your interaction one-on-one, it was good, you know, that's one thing. But when you know, when you finally see how he is to other people and how he talks about other people, that you should back up. Now, from my perspective, I never hung out with this guy that I was, you know, never had an issue with in my job, you know, my previous job. Never, you know, I never hung out with him. We never had a conversation outside of work, you know, but, you know, but I, I, I still, I see who he was. I mean, so everybody else, you're one way. So I'm a, I'm a backup because, you know, at any point in time to me, you could flip and be like that towards me. Now, I mean, I end well for you comes to my perspective, but you know, that's, you know, but you know, we, we never got to that. So we don't know. He don't know. I know, but he don't know. So, but again, you know, I'm, I'm going to be reserved. I'm like, you know, I'm going to keep you at arm's length because I know how you are and you're to your core, you're one way. So with that being said, you got to look at it like that, Derek Hart. You got to look at it like, well, he's like that to everybody else and everybody else that he's like that towards, or he thinks of that, you know, thinks that about, you know, that's a problem. And to be honest with you, and those people are completely and utterly surrounded by you on a, on a day-to-day basis. You know, you have a wife, you know, you have kids, you know, he didn't, I don't think he didn't sell the kids, but, you know, you have a wife and kids. You know, you, but you have a woman in your house. Pardon me. You have a woman in your house. You know, that's one thing. You have teammates that are African-American and, and droves on your team. You know. You have people, training staff for women and, and, and minorities. You have homosexual teammates. You know. Arnassa, oh, you know, I mean, let's be honest. He's he came out openly. He's he openly is is announced his you know, homosexuality. He's you know he's a, he's a gay athlete. He insulted all those people, but instead of siding with the victims, you know, I'm not sure if I should use that word, but you know, because some people get all get really emotional when I use that when people use that word. But when you get the people that he insulted. They're the people that were done wrong. I think that, you know, as the, the Christian man that you are, you should be on the side of the people that were done wrong versus the person that literally insulted the entire facet of these groups of people. So I, I don't think, I, I really don't think he thought this thing through. I really thought that he was just, you know, all he was, was you know, he got, he thought Gruden was done wrong and he was made to be, an escape goal for things and just in the third, but I'm sorry, Derek Carver, rightfully so. You know, whether whether he was the fall guy for the NFL or not, he still is wrong. I'm let's just be real about it. He's still wrong. He still said those things. He still insulted those people. He still had all kinds of ugly things to say and, and passing, you know, ugly things to say about people and passing around new pictures of, of cheerleaders. He's still wrong. And you should need to be siding with the people that he wronged and those people are around you every day versus a guy that's gone from your facility and won't come back. I'm sorry. You're, you're completely off base here. 
you uh, again again that's that's I don't get how you defend it. I really don't. And I'm, I'm I question. I don't know what happened behind the scenes, but I, again, I question Charles Wilson. You know, for not, you know, railing him in and, and calling him on the carpet about that. And I, I mean, anybody that that thinks Derek Carr was okay with what he said, I just don't understand how people can justify it and not talk about why you feel like he's why he's defending Gruden. I don't get it. I think he completely told our base, and somebody needs to come to him and be like, "Look, I think you need to back off this Gruden defense because, you know, he." insulted and, and, and condemned a bunch of people that you have to deal with on a day-to-day basis. I'm sorry. That's not something that you want over your head. And, and I don't know what his locker room was thinking, but I, I just don't feel, I feel like maybe I'm the only one that's seeing what I'm seeing, but I, you know, because nobody's talking about it. They're talking about Gruden. They're talking about the documents for the NFL and the football team's investigation, how that's closed. And, you know, Gruden, you know, is gone and Derek Carr's defending them. And so is Mark Davis. Like, how can you defend this guy? It just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make sense at all. So I, I just don't get the the premise about why you think this is okay to defend him. You think he had a bad moment. No, he had a bad lifetime of ugly moments. And that's not somebody you need to be defending. I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry. It just don't, I, I just don't get how you overlook that. If you want to show him grace, which he doesn't deserve, what about the people that he insulted that should be offended, you know, those are the people you play with. So I think you should be worried about their feelings versus John Gruden's. Let's be honest. We have the John Gruden coaches of the day in life is not, again, ever in life. He's going to be good. Because even though he is no longer allowed to coach or compensate, he's going to be okay. He's made his money. He'll be okay. You know, because in this situation, you know, he doesn't really get true punishment for what he did. You know, you don't, you don't commit a crime and get a payout. You know. Most criminals don't get that. You know, you don't you don't commit a crime and get, get a payout, but he did. You know, crime against humanity. It wasn't it wasn't a legal crime, but it's a crime against humanity. And he committed a crime and he got a payout because all that money he still is owed in his contract is still going to be, and all the money he has made is still in his bank account. So it is what it is. But Derek Carr, I think you need to rethink your stance. So as we talk about quarterbacks. I've alluded to this man several times already, and I'm going to break it down exactly why I have issues and grievances with this man. And, and I'm, I'm sick of it. I'm just, I'm done. I'm really done with it. And I just, I can't understand how the Vikings keep getting fleeced, but they do. So Kirk Cousins, in my mind, is 87 octane gas in a V8 supercharged Hemi. And how does he continue to convince the Vikings to give him fully guaranteed money? When he's stuck at, and he, when you when like literally he's stuck in mediocrity, you know he's completely limited at quarterback. He really is, you know, and and I, I just don't understand it. And the limitations that Cousins carries will ultimately, you know, go into the result of a lot of changes on the team, and and and, and that's scary because you look at him like this, he's going to play out his contract. It's fully guaranteed from 2021 to 2022. He's just got a two-year extension in 2020. Fully guaranteed. And you can't get rid of him because it's too punitive to get rid of him. And we're talking, you know, upwards of, you know, 24, 5, 6, you know, I want to say, what, $30 million maybe? $30, $32 million, you know, in fully guaranteed money. You still got to pay him regardless. It's still on your books. So you can't get rid of the actual problem. 
again, like I said, he's he's oozing mediocrity. Like I said, the limit and limitations that he has is ultimately going to probably cost Zimmer and his staff the job. And you know, and you're still going to be stuck with Kirk Cousins, and it's completely utterly backwards. You know, and I I hope that I hope that the Vikings will wise up after this contract is up. Cause I was curious when it was up, I had to look it up before we did the podcast. I was curious how long he had to deal with this, how much longer he had to deal with this, but you know, but Zimmer, they, they, they called it for his head and, and they, everybody's pointing fingers at Zimmer being a problem or the play calling being a problem. I was a coordinator, the O line, you know, the defense, everybody's pointing fingers at the wrong thing. Kirk Cousins is your problem. No, no matter what you do as a team, if you're mediocre quarterback, you're mediocre as a team. That's just fact. That's just fact. You're mediocre as a team. And Kirk Cousins is the epitome of mediocrity. Sorry. And you got to deal with mediocrity for two more seasons. Now, the question of the day is, will Zimmerman and the staff survive this, the Kirk Cousins experiment? That's the question. So, I mean, if I was, if I was a coach looking for a job as a, as a, as a new head coach and Minnesota's job was available, I wouldn't want to touch this organization until they rebooted their quarterback until Kirk Cousins is out of the building and won't come back. I would not want this job because you're literally going to, you're already, you know, you're already limited before you get in. It's like, it's, you know, it's, it's saying that, okay, I'm going to give you a $20,000. Matter of fact, I'm going to break it down even, even further than that. I'm going to start you off with a $2,000 a, a year. Well, well, $2,000 limit on your credit card, but you only use 500, maybe a thousand. I'll just use a thousand. You only use half of it. So you automatically, you got a limit of 2000, but you only can use a thousand. So you're going in already up against it. We walk in the door Like you do nothing. You have nothing yet as a coach, but you and you're already, you're already limited by quarterback. It's rough. It's rough. Again, <laughs> you know, and I, and I can say you know, some people are gonna you know obviously have a grab about Zimmer because it's it's an indictment on him that his defense is playing bad. I, they played bad for the last couple of years, you know. But regardless of how they play defensively, O line, run game, you can't overcome mediocrity at quarterback in the league nowadays. You just can't. You can't do it. So you can have a world class defense, great running game. Ask the Browns; they got a world class defense. They got a great running game, but guess what? They're still beating the quarterback and they're sitting at 4 4. Same principle. Same principle. So, you know, Zimmerman can potentially fix his defense, but you got to look at it too, is because people got to look at the analytics of defense. No matter, especially with the rules the way they are, you have to be able to limit your defensive's time on the field, which means you have to run a good offense. So if you run if you run a good offense, you're not getting off the field with three and outs constantly and putting your defense back on the field at short at short time intervals, you know, that's gonna ultimately truly wear your defense down. They're gonna give up points. That that's just the brass tax of it all. So if you run a good offense, I mean, because look at the the Rams. The Rams got a great defense, but that bet you they don't exhaust themselves because they're not on the field that much because they the Rams offense is good. They remove the ball down the field. They have eight, 10, 12 play drives on a regular basis. So they defense is fresh when they come on the field every time. So they get after you, make life hard, you know, and that's what, that's what the, the idea of having a good uh, offensive minded uh, head coach would do for you. 
But regardless of that, if you don't have that, in which you being a mediocre quarterback is going to leave you up against it, leave you on long, leave you on the defensive on the field for long stretches of the time and wear down and give up points. And then we, and especially when your coffins can't match those points and they put you in a position to give up in the first place, you really, you're really looking at like, as if we're going to probably lose most games in that, in that manner because the quarterback can't get it done. I mean, come on. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna break this down. I'm gonna move on from Kirk Cousins. I'm. I'm just through. Kirk Cousins has Justin Jefferson, one of the greatest young receivers in the league right now. He has Adam Thielen, one of the greatest greatest route runners in the league right now. He has AJ Osborne, who's a who's a young talented slot receiver. He has Dalvin Cook and and, and Alexander Madison at the running backs. You know they want to. Bashed O line last, I want to say what last game, but the O line is good. They drafted Derrishaw, Bradbury, and a few, and a couple other. They just extended, and they had high PFF grades as O linemen last year. So the line is not line isn't a problem either. So you got all this stuff, and you put a you put a decent, you know, young quarterback on this team. You give Justin Herbert this team. You give Patrick Mahomes this team. You give Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson. His team, get Kyler Murray. His team, they make the world move. But Kirk Cousins can't get out of first gear and get the damn Cowboys. So, you tell me what's the problem. You tell me what's the problem. So, Kirk Cousins need to go. He needs to go. So, let's talk about my charges real quick. Now, I normally don't talk much charges on 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 the podcast because I have the own segment called Charges Corner. On Fridays, 11 a.m. on YouTube. So check that out if you haven't. Lockdown Divas Podcast. Search it. It'll come up for you. Appreciate your support. Like, comment, subscribe to the channel if you haven't. Appreciate you uh, supporting the movement. But I have to say this about them, particularly in particular this week, because it just needs to be said. It needs to be put out in the open. And I'll reiterate this later in the week. But the Chargers have a big problem. And I, and I alluded to this earlier. When you want different things from yourself in anything life, you can't keep doing the same thing and expect different results. And I give the Chargers credit for changing the coach because that needed to be changed because they, it started with the coaching staff. The coaching staff wasn't right for this uh, environment, wasn't right for this team, wasn't right for this talent level, wasn't right for this roster. But the core players that the Chargers still have right now are still representing what has been wrong with the Chargers for years. Self-inflicted wounds that cost you games. Un- we're talking un- uncharacteristic drops in key moments. Penalties in droves. Conservative play calling and decision-making has been the nemesis of the Chargers and why they can't get out their own way. There's a, there's a great saying out there that says, the biggest enemy you have is yourself. And until the Chargers can get out there, get over themselves and get out their own way, they're never going to win anything and fulfill their potential as a team because that's the biggest problem and is within because you can't sit here and tell me that the Cowboys game and the Patriots game in particular. Now the Ravens game, you just got completely dominated. It happens, you know, what I still didn't like it. Still got to have a better effort, but that game aside, those two other games were completely and utterly winnable games and there were completely and totally utterly lost by your own undoing. It's nothing the Patriots did to you 
that cost you the game. It's nothing the Cowboys did to you that cost you the game, but everything you did to yourself as a team, as a unit, or didn't do, cost you the game. You know, because it's, it just seems like when the moment gets really high pressured, they, they just seem to, to kind of kind of start cracking at the foundation. And that's, that's just, just me being critical of my team. I just have to be honest. You know, and that's just been that's been a problem. I mean, I literally watched and listened to Keenan Allen talk about it in his post game. You know, if he can have a a good sense of awareness and 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 understand in the moment and realize that they're the problem, it's not the other teams, it's, it's them. Then then we also can have a, a a come to Jesus moment in the same breath and say that he's right. They they literally are, are their own worst enemy at this point. So and so they fix that. It's always going to be a frustrating Sunday or Thursday or whatever when they Monday whenever they play against really good teams because that's going to be the always the downfall of them. It just it just is what it is. So they have to get on their own way, really do. So my last headline before we get into uh, injuries and high games of the week, the Saints are five and two, and they now have a big hole at quarterback. So the question is, what do they do? I mean, because let's be honest, Taysom Hill and Trevor Simeon are not it. You're five and two. And right now you're in the playoffs, right? You know, and again, Trevor and, and Taysom are good for a game or a play, you know, or two or three. But to make a, a full, a really honestly, truly playoff run, they're not the answer. So again, the question was, we're at the 11th hour of the trade deadline. Will they... Get on the phone and make a call and get another quarterback in house that's a viable backup for a long-term play. I mean, because let's be honest, I talked about it earlier. Their defense is built to move. Their defense is ready to go, and they're healthy. They're aggressive. They they get after you. They stop the run well. They cover well. They pass rush. I mean, it's not much they don't do well as a unit, you know. But you got to have, again, that's what I talk about the Vikings situation. You got to have a good quarterback that is able to move the ball and facilitate the offense well. You do that, you keep the defense fresh and honest, and they'll constantly get stops for you. But I'm sorry, but Trevor, you know, Simeon had a, a lightning in the bottom moment against the Saints. Excuse me, against the Buccaneers before the Saints. But that's not going to keep happening. And and Tatesman Hill is not the answer either. We already discussed that. I mean, James beat him out for the job, you know, easily. So it wasn't as if he's you know, going to, you know, set the world on fire by being a quarterback. He's not a quarterback. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a flex player. Part of that. He's a flex player, not a quarterback. He can throw the football, but he's not a quarterback. So what will be their play? Will they just ride out and, and hope for the best when it comes down to Trevor? Cause James is not coming back. They will hope for the best with Trevor and Taysom, which to me is, is a, is a, is a naive move. It's a naive play because, if you if you do that, then you're basically saying that we may or may not make the playoffs, and that's all we can hope for. You know, I get it's a rebooting year for you, but you know the way things breaking, you can literally have a chance. I mean, you just beat the Bucks, so if you're able to beat the Bucks, I feel like you have a chance to beat anybody if you have a viable quarterback with that defense. I mean, the Bucks are the bar; they're the chance. So, will they make a play? Will they not make a play? Was it's going to be an indictment or 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 uh, a blessing of a tell? To say that they're either trying to go all in and make the best of the situation, or they're just going to sit on their hands and hope for the best. So we'll see. So we'll, next time we talk about this, we'll just it'll it'll, it'll be you know, yeah, they brought a quarterback in, or nay, they didn't, and we know what it means. We know what it means. 
So let's do some quick injury news. This wasn't a whole lot of a uh, little bang, little nicks here and there, you know, little bruising here and there, little, little tic-tac injuries. One ma none major outside of these ones we've won to score already for the most part. Uh, Derek Henry with his foot. He's out for the year, most likely. A James Winston is out with his ACL. Uh, looks like Daniel Hunter tore his pectoral muscle, I think, so he might be out for the year. And Dak Prescott with his calf. Now, all these guys, you know, are, you know, really, really uh, uh, big big parts of their team. You know, like I said, Derrick Henry is a, a huge part of the Titans. Huge part. So that that's rough for the Titans. Like I said, we just talked about the Saints and Jameis. And then Hunter not being able to be a pass rusher on the other side of, opposite, opposite side of Everson Griffin is the issue. Because he, he, he was the better pass rusher of the two. And Dak Prescott, this, if this calf lingers, I mean, we saw what Cooper Rush did, but I think that still is lightening the bottle and damning more of the Vikings than, than Cooper Rush's play. But regardless of that, you know, as long as Dak's calf isn't uh, a long-term issue, then they're fine. But if he, if it lingers, who we? It's rough sledding. Rough sledding. So let's get into week eight and our hot uh, games of the week. Um, we had... First up was the Packers and the Cardinals, and uh, yeah, <laughs> that was a game for the ages. Now, I tell you this: I did not expect the game to go the way it did. I tell you that much. I did not expect the game to go away the way it did. Uh, Packers won a dramatic fashion at the end. Uh, I picked the Cardinals to win. Honestly, at home, you know they had Devontae Adams and, and Lazard and Valdez Scanning and all that stuff, and, they, and the Packers still still found a way to win. You know, so my takeaway from that game was the fact that Aaron Rodgers can do a lot with nothing. <laughs> do a lot with nothing. That was a statement went for him. That was a statement went for him, and I think that he's really all in on this season. So, uh, you know, what, it, what that means at the end of the season will be another question. But, um, yeah, a healthy team, and they're getting sneaky good on defense as well. You know, with Jalen Smith addition, they added well, Whitney Merciless and a few other pieces. Get healthy with Jairi and a few other guys coming back in the secondary. I mean, if this team finishes in the top 10 or 15 as a defense, that that's something Aaron had that going for himself. He won a Super Bowl. So keep that under your hat. Keep that under your hat. So Packers win. So Jaguars and Seahawks, I'm not going to talk about that too much. I mean, it was an interesting game because I thought the Jags might have upset the Seahawks. It's the one they played two weeks ago. And see how bad the Seahawks looked. But they, I talked about this earlier. They completely dog walked them 31-7. It was ugly. It was ugly. But a backup quarterback in Geno Smith. I mean, come on. Oh, man, it was rough. So, I mean, again, my takeaway is the Jags got a lot of work to do, and they, I'm not sure everybody has the right coach. And the Seahawks, you know, still have on life support for the playoffs, and they may get Russell back in a week or two. So, we'll see how that goes. So, my next game was the Chargers and the Patriots. Uh, I, 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 I pretty much explained it. I really did. It's, I mean, the Chargers really totally beat themselves. I mean, Keenan Allen dropping passes, Mike Williams dropping passes. Uh, I don't know where Joe Lombardi and and my Brian Stelly are, where their mindset is when it came to the last two weeks. If they play games, they win against the Ravens. They try to establish a power running game when we're not a power running team. Problem one. Getting uh, try to do the same thing against the the uh, uh, the Patriots, who have a good run defense, and that still didn't work. It kept going to it, kept going to it, kept banging your head against the wall, and it wasn't working. Now I'm first here to tell you that the Chargers definitely need to establish some type of running game. They do. They need to realize, utilize Austin Eckler in the run game as well as the pass. Yes. Establish a number two running back as well, whoever that guy may be. I, I'm all for that. But it, it can't be 
21, 22 personnel like we're the Browns and the Ravens and expect them to move the ball. We're not built that way, especially with the right side of the line being backups. We picked the wrong time to try to implement this. If we were completely healthy on the O-line, I can see it. If Balaga was still there, if O'Day Boucher was still there, I can see it. But they're not. We got Quisenberry and, and Storm Norton who are getting completely and totally dominated on that, on that right side every week. So, yet again, Justin Herbert doesn't look like himself. You're taking the air out of the ball and then running the ball and then not letting him throw the ball the way he's been throwing in the last uh, several weeks. Out of the last eight games, the way he's been throwing the ball, he's taking the ball out of his hands. It, it, it's rough. It's rough. So the, the Chargers have to honestly and truly get back to what was working and, and come in. Stop beating yourself. Stop the turnovers. Stop the uh, miscommunication. You know, Stop the mistakes. That's the bottom line. Is if you don't stop the mistakes, then then it's gonna be rough. I mean, you got Philly this this coming week going to Philly. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Philly they they are surprisingly not as bad as people think. So sleep if you want. You know, make mistakes. You know, that's gonna hurt yourself if you want. They mess around with your elder as well. The Patriots are only one game out of the division uh, uh, competition as far with the Bills as well. So who knows what's gonna happen with them. Now we got the Cowboys and the Vikings. We talked about this before and how it, is, it was an indictment on the Vikings, how they lost to Cooper Rush, the backup quarterback with this team. And the, and the, and the daggone Cowboys didn't even run the ball a lot. You would think with a backup quarterback, you'd run the ball more and pass uh, sparingly, but they threw the ball over the yard and, and, the Cowboys, and the Vikings did nothing about it. And they couldn't muster any offense for some damn reason. So I, I just don't get it. The Cowboys win this game going away as well, 20-16. So uh, the Titans and the Colts was a really good game. <laughs> and if it wasn't for Carson Wentz uh, doing two bonehead plays throughout the game, it really could have went the Colts' way, and I thought it might have uh, because they were more a desperate team. But, you know, Carson Wentz, try, again, trying to do too much. When Carson Wentz tries to do too much, that's when he gets in trouble. He's a decent quarterback. You know, I think that even Carson Wentz is on the Vikings or anybody like that, any of those teams, you know, he would do well. You know, he does. this team is loaded as well. This, this Colts team is good. It's loaded with weapons. Got a good old line. But when he tries to do too much, it's when we always get in trouble. And that pass that he tried to throw in the end zone ended up being a, a, a pick six. Oh, that was the worst decision I've seen all weekend. It was rough. Rough to watch. It was rough to watch. So, again, the Titans win in OT by three. So, in the last game, Steelers uh, versus the Browns. And I talked about this one as well. It's the simple fact that, you know, Baker is hurting the team, in my opinion. This was an ugly game. It was an ugly game because you uh, again it was what twenty to fifteen. You know the Steelers didn't set the world on fire, but they did enough. They did enough to honestly and truly uh, stymie the Browns because they were just going. The time they came in with the mindset that we're going to stop their run and we're going to make a break, break a throw the ball. That's the blueprint. And with him being hurt, you know he's not. I mean he's not Patrick Mahomes throwing the ball all over the yard. Josh Allen throwing the ball out of the yard anyway. So you're looking at it like if he if he had a hurt shoulder, he's really limited. So guess what? We'll live with the fact that he throws the ball and he can't do it effectively. And that's what never happened. When he was called to throw the ball and he had to throw the ball, it was tragic. So the Steelers win. And they actually own the two game winning streak. How about that? So Yeah, so that's my hot games, my takeaways for week eight. And I have to say this, I hate to say this, but you know, I'm over 0 and six for the first time in picks history because I didn't get not one of those picks right between upsets and or 
lack thereof in teams that I just knew we were going to get victories and they didn't. That's why I ended up landing 0 6. Rough way to go. So we'll try to write the ship next week. We'll try to write the ship next week. So, so in uh, <laughs> in uh, my uh, quick synopsis of what uh, my blind side end of the week was. <laughs> My blind side hit of the week was these backup quarterbacks. I did not see, and one iota, I did not see these quarterbacks having this much success. I really didn't see it happening. I really didn't. I mean, I literally had my picks lined up, you know, the right way. I was like, I'm, I'm my finally breakthrough. You know, the Green Bay game, I was like, okay. You know, that, that's, that could go gone either way. And if Asia Green turned his head around and caught the ball, we'd still be talking a different game right now. Carolina let me down as well, but I really wasn't tripping off that. So what well, that game could have gone either way. Well, I should be Atlanta let me down because I, I wouldn't bet on Carolina. Carolina kept letting me down, so I bet against them. But um, you know the Browns, I, I was chicken betting the Steelers because I didn't trust them, but I should have bet them. Didn't do it. Uh, but yeah, I think the Jets is the biggest thing. The Jet, the Jets win. That was the biggest blind side for me. Uh, the Dallas game was a big blind side. The the Bucks game was another big blind side, and the, the the Seattle game was kind of a little bit of blind side, kind of a little bit. It was a little bit of ear hole. I saw it coming, but I couldn't get out of the way. You know that's that's what that what that broke down to. But but yeah, so that was my blind side hits of the week, man. I, it, it's, it's it was rough sledding. It was rough sledding uh, this week in picks, and and those backup quarterbacks did me dirty. It really did. So the final segment of the week before we get into our fourth quarter closeout is our grievances of the week. Tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now you're going to hear about it. <laughs> That's my guy. <laughs> That's my guy, Mr. Stiller. <laughs> Mr. Stiller with his grievances of the week. But yeah, man, uh... <laughs> I tell you, man. I tell you, it's I. I got a, a little bit of a grievance with the league right now, man. I really do. I really do. Um, you know. So here we go, Coach Grievance, Coach Defense Grievance of the Week. The rules, man. And and I've spoke about this in 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 brief terms, uh, before now. But I'm gonna speak about it in length because I tell you that, that's another thing that kind of led to the Bengals' victory. Uh, well, excuse me, they lost. Um, because of the targeting call they called on the Bengals when when the Jets, the offensive player, lowered his head into the helmet of the Bengals defender instead of him targeting his helmet as a weapon and as the rule is intended. The rule is intended to say that if I use my helmet as a weapon and I use I lead with my helmet and target you with my helmet as a as a means to hurt you, that's a penalty. But they're calling anything that's a helmet to helmet contact as a penalty on a defense. Anything. This man literally was in was in low form tackling position. The guy lowered his head. They hit helmets and they blew a flag on the on the on the uh on the on the Bengals. That's gotta go. That was all every everybody that looked at play was like, that's an all-time bad call. All-time bad. It was all-time bad. And we just can't get over the fact that they keep fumbling this particular uh ruling week in week out now that was the most egregious one but it's it's been plenty it's been plenty 
over the course of this whole season. And they're affected games. They're affected games. Now, nobody's probably doing the analytics on how these penalties, which they shouldn't be called in large regard, that are affecting games, affecting field position, affecting outcomes. But it's happening. It's happening. These games, these targeting route, these targeting penalties are affecting games. These roughing the passer calls are affecting games. These taunting calls are affecting games. Now, targeting, I, I, I believe it should be in the in, in the rule books. I do. However, I feel as if it needs to be a better way to police it. It has to be a better way to police it. You have to be able to have a more finite means or in, in the malicious, the defender has to have malicious intent, in my opinion, for it to be targeted. Because it's very, very difficult as a player. You're running 100 miles an hour. You run, you know, four, three, four, 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 five speed. You're running 100 miles an hour at a person with full equipment on. The, 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 the inches between your neck, your shoulder pad line, and your helmet is very small. So it's very hard to not contact helmet to helmet in some facet and they're overly calling and overly policing this ruling so they have to be able to massage this rule to say it has to be malicious intent involved in order for it to be a flag you know if i if i lower my head and you don't lower your head that should be a penalty if i target you with my helmet that's a penalty but if i if i'm lowering my head to try to tackle you low to get you on the ground and you lower your helmet in response to that and you hit me, if nothing else, maybe it'd be a final offense. You know, if you want to do it that way, but it needs to be massaged. That, that really needs to be massaged because you are literally taking victories out of people's hands. The Bengals should have won that game, especially even off that call. They shouldn't have given up them points either. But regardless of that, that call changed the game. It's got to change. Roughing the passer is completely and utterly, totally over-policed. Did they get to the point where they're even giving you Roughing the passer like penalties or unnecessary roughness penalties when they become runners. Now, I thought from my uh, perspective, my reading that that once they become a runner, all bets are off. You know, when a quarterback becomes a runner, you can hit him unless he slides and gives some up early. You are allowed to hit him like a runner. So, so if you still extending those rules for a quarterback, only certain quarterbacks, mind you, if you're allowing them extend those rules outside of the pocket, that's wrong too. That's wrong too. You know, I think I saw uh, Aaron Rodgers get pulled down by his jersey. They said a horse collar. It was his jersey, not the back of a jersey, not the not the crown of his shoulder pads. It's just his jersey. He called a he called a rough, he called a, a horse collar tackle. <laughs> quarterback, I'm quarterback slides late, and a guy was already in the air, and he contacted him with his leg as he flipped over him. He didn't he barely touched him. They called late hit on the quarterback. Or roughing the quarter, roughing the quarterback when he slid late, he slid late. The guy was already leaving his feet, and he's literally this is in the Chargers game. This is he literally was leaving his feet already, and they called a, a, a penalty on him. Come on, you have to you have to that that rule needs more consistency in in and and uh, I guess you can say. It needs to be massaged to the point of where it makes more sense. It needs to be massaged to a point when it needs to be tweaked to make more sense. It can't because the way they're policing it, the way they're ruling it, is totally, completely, and utterly wow, wow, west. It they don't they don't police it right at all. They don't police it right. to the letter. They don't police to the letter of the law, or 
the way it, or where it was intended. None of that's happening. They're just calling it just to be calling it. Uh, it's just it, that's all I can really say about it. That's the only reason I can say. You know, they have to do something around it. You have to be able to challenge it. You know, something you got to be able to challenge it or or something or have them police it better. It has to be completely and utterly changed. It really does. And the last one's the taunting rule. The taunting rule shouldn't be in, in, the, in the league at all. Like, my God, I know it's the first year for it, and this needs to be the last year. Because, oh, my God, the taunting rule is horrendously bad. And it's completely, it's being policed the worst out of all of them. You know, I'll take how they police targeting and roughing the passer over the way they police taunting. Because, my God, they're all bad. But, damn, I would take the targeting policing and the roughing the passer police over the taunting policing because this is just ridiculous. It's utterly ridiculous. And you have to change the rules because they're affecting games and they're causing people wins. Because let's be honest, it gets down to the playoffs. Let's say the Bengals in a playoff hunt and they're one game out. And you look look back at that Jets game that they should have won because of that penalty and they're not in the playoffs. And, and it's all on the refs. So they say, well, you could should control your own destiny, but I mean, damn, I mean, certain things are just out of your hands. And those, those, that's one of them. So NFL, you need to change your rules. You're already completely, utterly slanted to the offense as it is, and you're making it worse. You're really making it worse. So that's my rant, and that's my grievance for the week. So that's going to wrap up our NFL segment uh, for this week. Stay tuned for the full quarter closeout. It's the Lockdown Davis Podcast. Back with a fourth quarter closeout as a lockdown Davis podcast. I'm your host, Coach Defense. Oh man, another riveted and spirited uh lockdown Davis podcast this week, man. I appreciate everybody's support and appreciate everybody coming through and listening to this entire podcast, man. If you listen to this right now, appreciate everybody's support and their love and their admiration uh, to this podcast support. And as always, like, comment, subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you have a Google account, just go to YouTube and hit subscribe on my on my channel, and you're locked in. It's free to do it. So appreciate everybody that's gonna do that for me. Uh hasn't done it already. Um, as always, we're going to get into our full quarter closeout, and then we're going to give out our awards for Breakout Player of the Week, Lockdown Defender of the Week, and Big Dummy of the Week, man. So uh, let's move it over. Here. Let's move it over. Quick uh, advertisement note uh, the weekly Pick'em League is still going on. We are in week nine. Uh, it's been going to have a lot of uh, competition in this league, I tell you. We're going hot and heavy. It's definitely been going, doing pretty well. We got 12 solid members. Uh, we got eight slots left. So if you still want to get in uh, for the back half of the season, let us know. It's $10 buy in. Through Yahoo Pick'em League, uh, there's a uh, Yahoo website and a phone app that you can use uh, to make your picks each and every week. So you get your money in uh, before the games start on the NFL week, Thursday through Sunday, depending on when the games start. Get that in. Uh, cash out and PayPal. All the payments can be made. Um, you can opt out at any time. Uh, and in the elected event of a tie, we spread out the prize equally. So, uh, but yeah, we've had ties uh, in the, several weeks, and, and Yahoo has always broken the force with the tiebreaker rules they have. So, uh, it's pretty intuitive. It's pretty good. Everybody loves it, man. Um, everybody's been locked in. Once they get in, they don't leave. So, like I said, if you want to get in and get a slot and lock it in now, let me know. Uh, you can reach out to me on social media, uh, Lockdown Defense on Twitter and Lockdown Defense Sports on Instagram. Send me a DM and it will get you loaded into that 
uh, event. If you want to be in a group me chat to talk smack on Sundays, we can do that as well. So uh, let me know if you want to get into that. And if you need to email me, you can email me at LockdownDivasports at gmail.com, and we'll get that going for you. So uh, secondly, we're going to leave our weekly schedule real quick. Um, as always, Monday is a replay of, po- of Sports Talk with Coach Curry at 11 a.m. on all platforms. Tuesday is the podcast, uh, 10 a.m., as you listen to it right now. Uh, Tuesday on all platforms. Thursday, our weekly picks go live at 8 o'clock right before the game start on Thursday on YouTube. Friday is Chargers Corner at 11 a.m., so all Chargers uh, news and views go live on YouTube on Fridays at 11 a.m. And as always, Sports Talk with Coach Curry, so it's live and direct on Saturdays at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at uh, Twitch.tv for us Lockdown Davis Sports. So uh, download your Twitch app and, and uh, subscribe and, and uh, follow the uh, Lockdown Davis uh, Sports channel so you'll know when we go live and turn your notifications bells on so you know when we go live and we, we uh, load up our uh, weekly podcast for uh, Sports Talk. So that's it, man. So that's going to be our schedule. So please uh, like, comment, share this content as, as always, man. We appreciate everybody's support. So let's get into our awards, man, for uh, Breakout Player of the Week, Lockdown Defender of the Week, man. And uh, y'all going to like this big dummy of the week, I'm telling you right now. Uh, but you might know who it is already, honestly, but we're, we're going to talk about it. So for Breakout Player of the Week, we got Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford was a 21-32 with 305 passing yards, three touchdowns, and a passive rating of 127.7, which was the highest of the week. So that's a height garnered that award with no interceptions to his resume this week. Uh, the best running back this week was Elijah Mitchell uh, for the 49ers. Uh, he had 18 carries for 137 yards and a touchdown. Uh, that led the uh, 49ers to another victory this week. So, yeah, shout out to Elijah Mitchell, who's on my fantasy team. Appreciate you. And uh, A.J. Brown was the best receiver this week uh, with 10 receptions, 155 yards, and a touchdown that led to the Titans' uh, win over the Colts and uh, taking the command and leading that division. So, shout out to uh, A.J. Brown as well. Another lockdown defense uh, fantasy member. <laughs> a little shameless plug. Uh, so lockdown defenders were uh, Shaq Thompson this week. Uh, Shaq Thompson had 10 tackles, eight solos, a tackle for loss, a pass breakup, and an interception. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he was all over the field. He was doing a little bit of everything. One thing he didn't have was a sack. The only thing he didn't have was a sack. So he definitely filled up the stat sheet this week to get the Panthers to win over the Falcons. So the last one uh, was Justin Simmons. Justin Simmons racked up seven tackles, seven solo tackles. Uh, two pass breakups and two interceptions that sealed the victory for the Broncos this week against the Washington football team. So, man, shout out to Matt, Elijah, AJ, Shaq, and Justin. You are our breakout players of the week on Lockdown Defender of the Week. <laughs> now, on the big dummy of the week, uh, I have to give it to Derek Carr. I do. You know, I mean, you know, if you know I'm a Chargers fan, you can say, well, you're hating on him because he's a Raider. No. I'm hating on Derek Carr because he's he's misguided. Uh, I'm giving him this award duly because he's completely and totally uh, off base with his claims in defending Gruden, and I don't appreciate it, and I really think it's not being talked about enough, and I really think he should uh, come to grips with the fact that he's at the wrong uh, on, on the wrong side of history when it comes down to this particular event and this particular incident. So uh, he needs to uh, be more concerned about his teammates and, his, and the people that he insulted more so than Gruden's ugly behavior. Um, and, uh, and I'm, and I'm sorry. I really think that you can't sit here and tell me that he never shows signs of this particular behavior around you, unless he's a completely and utterly good Leonardo DiCaprio type actor. And he fooled you guys and believing that he wasn't this way when he was. So I'm sorry, Derek Carr, your, your defensive John Gruden earns you this award. So you, sir, are the lockdown Davis podcast is big dummy of the week. You big dummy. 
that's gonna wrap it up man i appreciate everybody uh, coming through and listening to this podcast uh another uh solid episode episode 61 is in the books and we'll be right back here next week for episode 62 in the meantime in between time like comment share and subscribe as always and uh appreciate your support and your uh, love out there man and i'll be right back at you with another podcast next week in the airways so in the meantime in between time i'm coach defense step up and lock it down Thank you.